0: They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear?
1: Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE.
2: Welcome to the Whitetail Legacy Podcast. Tomorrow is opening day. This morning. Didn't have a great hunt. Deer didn't move
0: like usual. We just got set up in the middle of this bedding thicket. Oh, Saving this spot for the rut. Boom!
2: It's a 170. That was money. I think it's down right up there. 10 yards.
1: Whitetail Legacy Podcast, bringing you back to the hunt and leaving a legacy. Baller rut. And we're podcasting in my garage. Are we rolling? We're rolling.
2: All right, welcome to the Whitetail Legacy Podcast. We got a good whitetail knowledge episode coming at you. Kicking it back old school with a coming at you right in your face on a Wednesday prime rib day. Here we go. We got Dan Bayes. That's how you say his name, right? Bayus. Bayus. Bay-us. Man, I thought it was is <laughs> Murdered right off the get. All right, man. We cover a lot in this from uh, pressured bucks, betting, uh, pinch points that might be unknown, rope scrapes, um, just a
1: early October tactics.
2: Pack, solid packed episode of whitetail knowledge. From beginning of the season to end, this is a note taker. Get your pens ready. Um, This is a good one. Let's get into the partners to make this possible. Get right to the show. I'm going to start off with the Veteran Innovative Products. Um, Man, a lot of people putting down turkeys with the Veteran this year. The social media is filling up. Uh, A lot of people using the VIP calls. Um, I love getting those pictures on the Facebook page. Um, A lot of people being successful with the VIP gear out there. That makes me real happy. Yeah. You got the VIP veteran broadhead shout out.
1: This week's VIP veteran broadhead shout out is Cliff Cantor. He was in the U.S. Marine Corps for six years from 2000 to 2006 in the infantry as a MOS 0311. Um, He got an honorable discharge. So Cliff, uh, me and Cody want to thank you, uh, Matt and Cindy, and everybody from the VIP family Appreciate you and your service, man.
2: Yeah, thank you very much. From us White to Legacy, VIP family. Let's get into Scent lock. Yeah, we ran the full tactic season all year, kept us hidden from the turkey's eyes with the face masks and gloves. We're filming this year. Um, we're, took, we're taking Redneck's advice, not hiding behind any coverage. You get that good footage, and when you're not doing, when you're not behind any cover, you have to have a camel pattern that is effective, and uh, that real cheery OG really came through on the tactic suit this year. Um, let's get into ECW calls. I hit the box call. I hit the slate call. Homies ripping on the double sided, ripping on the VIP call. I mean, we we really we really smashed the turkeys on the calls this year. Um, we can't thank. ECW calls enough for supplying with with all those goods to make us successful in the field.
1: Yep, and if Ingram's- you if you did break your glass during this season, um Jeff can get you some new glass.
2: Yeah. That's pretty solid. Custom grade and whatever you want. If you want it set to say I get limits bro, it can say I get limits. Bro. <laughs> uh Ingram's outdoor obsession. All your taxidermy knees. Find him on all social medias, and he's good. He's thinking about getting into filming, so we're excited to see where he goes into that. Yeah, uh, lots of fun. Hopefully, he does it and he can share his stories um, with us and with everybody else, and just showcase a little bit more of these 150s behind every tree as the Tail Distraction Podcast.
1: Yeah, so from right. Illinois, right.
2: Um, I hope you guys enjoy this episode. Uh, you can check Dan out on the Tyneman. Um, he's the creator of the Hang-On Helper. He's got a lot of stuff going on. Um, super knowledgeable guy. You guys are really going to dig this episode. All right, guys, we got Dan Baez on, right? That's right. All right. Didn't murder <laughs> yeah. it, so that's good. Yeah, um, We appreciate you coming on, man. Uh, start off with the listeners. Just, uh, tell yourself a little, a little bit about you.
3: Well, I've been hunting whitetails for quite a few years now. Um, I started, I started gun hunting kind of like most people and, uh, you know, learned the family tradition and, and, uh, shotgun season in Ohio with the family was, was always something, you know, looking forward to all year long. And, um, that was instilled in me very young. I started bow hunting around the age, of, I believe I was 11 or 10 years old. And, um, you know, that's kind of took off ever since. Um, I, I managed, to uh, shoot my first my first deer with the bow actually was a really nice ohio 10 point and um so i kind of was hooked after that man And the following year i followed up with a really nice 14 point man and uh kind of i got that you know really young the uh you know how you feel the glory man like when people everybody's holy cow you know you shot this big buck or whatever it was so i got that real young man and i kind of got addicted to that and and always wanted bigger and better. So that's kind of, you know, what landed me here with, with where I'm at today.
2: <laughs> nice. Yeah, man. A 10 point and then a 14 point. Can't beat that. Yeah, man, like, It was pretty cool. Feeling like a stud right off the bat. So. <laughs> like a million bucks. <laughs> yeah. Yep. And so that, do you live in Ohio now?
3: No, I actually, um, I'm, I, I, have lived most of my life in Ohio. And, um, when I had married my wife, Stacy, um, I moved into Pennsylvania and, She's a school teacher at Girard, um, Girard PA school district. And um, I moved up here closer to her because I'm an electri- I'm a union electrician, so I can uh, transfer my card, you know, when needed. And, and that's what I did. I work out at Erie local 56 now.
1: Nice. Yeah. So.
2: Did you have something, homie?
1: No, I was just, just going to say, you know, getting the taste of that success early is something that you can get very easily addicted to.
3: You ain't kidding, man. Yeah. It it grabbed hold of me. And I went through, you know, my teens and, and all through my twenties. That was, you know, that was basically what I was living for.
2: (laughs) So you, 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 I know you hunt Pennsylvania. Do you still also hunt Ohio? I do. Yeah. That's something
3: I I don't think I could ever give up hunting Ohio. It's, you know, um, that, that's kind of what I believe we're, we're going to start talking about at some point on this show is, is, um, I love the different terrains and the different, you know, uh, uh, what, what, you know, makes it tough to, to kill those different deer and figure them out. You know, Ohio is so much different than Pennsylvania and, and it's just, uh, that's, that's, that's why I hunt. I, I like, I like hunting a new, new place all the time. I don't, you know, if I figure one area or one block of woods out or one farm or whatever you want to call it, um. I'm not going to tell you, I don't go back and hunt it ever, but I do, I have, I have to get some kind of enjoyment out of, you know, figuring out a new place and, and it's very exciting for me to do it that way. So, yeah, no, I'll always hunt Ohio, but Pennsylvania's kind of been where my, my, uh, I guess where the wind's taking me
2: anyways, you know, as of lately. Nice. Yeah. so you, you enjoy the process like me and homie do, Yes. Know, so it's, it's awesome. We just got a new property we're figuring out. And uh, the first year we kind of get our butts kicked on it. I almost shot a buck, but we have a way better grasp on this year and uh, actually know what they're doing. So uh, we'll be able to, I feel really successful or really confident we're going to be successful on that piece this year.
3: Yeah. It usually takes, I I believe it takes a good two, three
2: years to, to genuinely figure out a property depending on the size. Yeah. I couldn't imagine getting on a big giant pennsylvania piece with a bunch of hills and you know creeks and stuff and trying to figure that out that would take me a very long time we've had (laughs) we had people that hunt out there on this show and i and i straight up tell them you know me going out there to pennsylvania i don't feel confident that i could kill the first or second year bow hunting just because it would be such a culture shock to my ag and you know draw hunting that i like to do so it's a big difference man i i it was shell shock for me um you know, there's not
3: there's not the funnels and the pinch points and and it's not you know fence rows and it's not like Ohio. It's it's um it's it is it's literally wide open. It's nothing for you to be out there sitting and and see you know the buck you want to shoot 200 yards you know off in <laughs> off in the woods and there's nothing you can do really for the most part you know to get them to come over to you. Um, especially this presser deer man. There's there's been multiple times I pull a crunk call out and they just go the opposite way or you know pull out try and rattle at them and it actually it works against you so pennsylvania now in ohio that's that's one of the first things i'll grab for if, if i see a deer out you know a little far and I'll, I'll do light grunt and it doesn't matter what time of the year it is i've actually killed them early um within the first week i've grown a you know bucks in in ohio but pennsylvania man i'm very very choosy i should say i i'm, I'm not going to tell you i don't at all call to them but um I, I pucker up every time I blow into that grunt tube because you never know what they're going to do.
2: <laughs> yeah, that's, that's kind of what we wanted to have you on. You've been super successful on, uh, you know, pressured white tails on public and, and different States. So, uh, I really want you to dig into the details of hunting pressured white tails, what to do, what not to do, and kind of the steps that you found to be successful. Well, I think it, I think
3: it's very important that we, um, you know uh how do i want to categorize so if if we're talking ohio whitetail you know um I've, i've hunted ohio whitetail in anything from like swamps to um farmland to suburban and um actually my biggest buck that i ever killed was on three acres of land that i had access to and one of it was one of it was wooded and the rest of it was yard um it just so happened that you know the deer were bedding down on a hillside, which was perfect wind, you know, where they were bedding. And, um, you know, they were filtering up past where my stand location was and getting up into the big woods where there was, you know, a bunch of white oaks, they big actually oak flat, But um, yeah, you know, that it, it I think it's, like I said, it, it's very important to categorize, you know, pressured whitetails tails and, and maybe what their tendencies are in different areas. But, if we're talking um, suburban whitetails, man, it is very important in my opinion. If you cannot figure out what their why is, and I'm going to say that a few times throughout this, they need to have, figure out what their why is and and why are they doing what they're doing? Why are they betting where they're betting? Why are they feeding where they're feeding? Why are they moving through? If you can figure out their why, then you got them. If, and and if, if you can't figure out their why and it doesn't have anything to do with the piece of property that you're hunting and most often you know suburban it's usually smaller plots of land and it's sectioned off so your biggest problem with that is getting multiple permissions or you know hoping hoping to god praying that you know they're going to walk through that small piece that you have so you can create the Y in ohio and you know a lot of times uh supplemental feeding is is a very big tactic with that um so, so in those small suburban, you know, plots of land that I've hunted and been pretty successful in, actually, um, one of my one of my biggest things is is less is more. You know, hunt less and do more watching of trail cameras. You know, you got to almost solely rely on the trail cameras because every time you go in there, you know, it's no different than any any big woods, but it's it's I feel a little bit more detrimental if you're going in there and if you don't get it done on that first sit, or that second sit, you know, you got to think, think of how many deer, you know, you're putting up when you're walking out of the woods after it's dark, and chances are, you know, in, in my case, I'm not going in there just because I have, you know, a, a good day to hunt, you know, it's, it's, I'm off work, and I, it's, you know, possible for me to make it out, and it's, you know, beautiful sunny day, or whatever, it's not, I don't choose to hunt that way, I hunt because I know that there's a, particular animal that I want to kill that I'm going in that's that's suburban hunting now so so you know like I said categorizing I'll I'll probably reflect back to that you know a few times um it's it's different when uh you know we're talking big woods deer um you know I, I I probably rely less on my trail cameras and more so on my woodsmanship skills and when I say woodsmanship skills I mean it's a lot of a lot of scouting on the foot, you know, and, and getting in there and finding what areas the deer are using because their food sources change so much. And, and, you know, when I'm saying big woods deer, I'm, I'm referring to Pennsylvania, like the Allegheny National Forest, there's hundreds of thousands of acres. So, so, you know, it's hard to really decide where to start. And generally that's done on a, you know, um, on X, or you can use any kind of, you know, um, aerial view map, but that's when you put the boots to the ground and really get in there and, and, you know, see exactly where the deer are using. And, and that's generally where I'll set the stands, but you know, here's something, and I'm going to let you, I'm going to stop talking cause I've been rambling here, but here's something that I don't know that a lot of people, you know, realize. And I tell people every single year, well, you know, in those big woods, you got to find something, whether it's a, a pond or possibly a, a fallen down tree, you know, and it's it's not necessarily what I would call a funnel, but they have to commit to one side or the other of it. They're not going to go through it. They're not going to go under it, you know, or they got to go around it. So so generally, you know, when I find a downed tree, I will set trail cameras. If I, if I believe they're traveling from A to B, say their bedding area and there's food, you know, and I'll find a downed tree in that big woods from in between their a to b and almost every single time those deer are using the root side of the tree not the side that's you know bush bushy and and so on and so forth on the other end but down at the root side is where you'll often find those crossings and i'll Hmm. stop there if you
2: guys have anything you want to say or elaborate i apologize (laughs) oh no that's fine yeah this is great we love it when people go off like that because that's when we get the good stuff because that's you know uh, when the fresh stuff comes to mind. Uh, i got a few things wrote down here that I'd like to touch on. One thing I'd like to say, right, since you just talked about that tree, um, I remember a few years ago we were going kyle hunting on my lease, and uh, I walked around the brushy side, and my buddy walked around the stump side and found about a 75-inch shed right on the back side of the stump where buck had bedded down right there on a fallen tree. So I feel you on that. I believe it. I but. Believe uh, it beginning of it you were talking about the why and that's me and homie's hardest part right now is you know figuring out why these deer are using a certain area and uh it's covered in sign but we can't figure out you know why they're using it and i think i think we got an idea but we can't pinpoint it down and then it goes back like you said that uh it's just limited property where our challenge is trying to get other property to be able to bread trail them back, you know, to where they're daylighting. Mm So now what part of Illinois are you guys hunting? We're West central when you say homie. Yeah.
3: Yeah. Okay. I had been down there. Uh, I don't remember what County it was, but it was right next to Pike County. Actually, it's like, uh, the Dankers, you know, from Buck Ventures, Mm -hmm. uh, Brandon and Jeff, um, their farm was like butted up to a property that we were hunting. Um, I was down there actually just videoing a guy, and you know, that was eye opening to me. I never in my entire life have I seen such large scrapes and such big rubs. All like I'm talking, this property was plastered with it, but the only deer it had a 140 minimum that the guy was, you know, I was just videoing, I didn't even get to pick a bow up, unfortunately, but you know. We had a 130, 135 class walk underneath of us, and we couldn't, you know, he couldn't just shoot him because (laughs) he was close, you know, he was actually had the bow ready to draw. But, um, anyways, what what I'm what I'm getting at is is you know I caught on real quick. That was probably one of the only deer we saw actually. I caught on real quick that those deer were actually, you know, pretty much watching us walk to the stand. Um, It's it was. A lot of farmland where we were at, and it literally was a ginormous—I'm talking like a mountain of a hill. And um you know, we were trying to be as you know, I guess, indiscreet, you know, as as we possibly could to to get up to where the stand was at the stand location. And boy, was there a lot of sign up the top of that hill. However, what I what I think was going on there is you know the deer—they they just knew we were in there, and that's you know we. I'd really like to, at some point in this, this show, you know, talk, talk entry and exit, because that's, that is probably one of the most important things that I feel I've, I've gotten pretty decent at doing is really, you know, figuring out entry and exits and, and um, you know, if we're talking Ohio deer, I will go in and, and I use big time in Ohio. So let's, let's, do you want to go into that a little bit real
2: quick? Yeah, sure. Me and homie love, Mm-hmm. internet and access we we take like that's probably the scent control is probably number one and then internet access is probably number two for us when you say right. it, homie
1: yeah i mean, mean you know that's something that we really tried to focus on this past year and um other than that one spot that cody was talking about with with all the sign um you know i, I really think we could tell a difference in being able to keep deer in the daylight and you know keep our hunting um as best as possible
3: Nice. Yeah. And that's, that, it's tough to do in a lot of scenarios, man. That's uh, the farm I hunt in Ohio. My, my entry and exits are, it, it is 100%. You know, if, if I don't, if I don't like literally go way out and around and use the terrain, there's a little bit of rolling Hills, I guess. If I don't, man, those deer got me every single, every time I go in there.
2: <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm all for digging into that. I think we should cover what you do in Ohio I know that you're you you know you're baiting in Ohio. We have a ton of friends in Ohio. They all say the same thing: if you ain't baiting, someone else is baiting, and you ain't got a chance. So um, mm-hmm. we can cover your access there, and then we can also cover how you're doing it in the big woods, because I think that would be insanely challenging, because you never know where the deer are bedding. It unlike, is actually <laughs> unlike oh, unlike ag ground. You got a pretty good idea they're not bedding in the the deep draws or in the field edges and stuff like that, where you can access. So let's go ahead and dig into that. Yeah. So, so if you want to hit Ohio with, with that, um, you know, it is, it is
3: kind of textbook, you know, and, and I'm pretty sure Illinois would probably be very similar in, in certain, at least the area I was in. Um, and now we're talking, this is Northeast Ohio primarily, you know, where I hunt. Um, so I can't really say much for, you know, Cincinnati or uh, Columbus, but I know they got a lot of, you know, farm ground down that way too cuz I've driven through there quite a few times, but you know, I, I believe it is very important to know where they're bedding and you can in in that farm ground, I also believe it's it's a, a little bit easier to somewhat call out where they're bedding more so than big woods, but um when you can figure out where they're bedding, then you can make educated moves, man. And and when I say educated moves, you can, you know, find the different terrain features. You can maybe, you know, use different fence rows that are going to keep you on the upwind side. And, And, you know, wind is very important on Ohio deer, at least, you know, on the farm ground, because, man, like, I actually, I use my neighbor to hunt in Ohio um the way that the prevailing wind is southwest wind at that property when he's out hunting I know his wind is blowing back into my bedding areas I have hinge cuts that I did two years ago and you know I use him knowing that those deer are not going that way they're they're kind of stuck in my my block of woods and and I make sure my access is on point and you know it's, it's crazy like when he hunts, I see more deer. Um, so I believe that that's, that's probably something that, you know, maybe put us asterisk next to that whoever's listening to this, you know, um, use other hunters to, to maximize your success. I believe that's, I believe that that is, you know, textbook, uh, and, and, you know, I'm not saying that the deer are being pushed or anything by of that sort whatsoever, but it, what it does is, you know, you can put on scout look, and get a scent cone right or i believe there's other hunting apps out there i just i happen to use ScoutBook, and and see which way say your neighbor if he's out in his stand if you see his truck or whatever um or maybe see him walking into the stand you know you can almost bet not almost you can pretty much guarantee that anything that's downwind of him is not not going to be going his way right so it cuts out a large portion of of you know trying to choose what stand location. Cause I'm sure you guys can attest to this where, you know, you're sitting in a stand and you go check cameras, or maybe you have a cell phone camera out there and
1: you're like, Oh my God, I sat the wrong stand, you know? Too many times. Oh, yeah, look, yeah. 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 Does, yeah your, so, does your neighbor know that you did that hinge cutting? Um, yeah. In that area? Yeah,
3: no doubt. He definitely does, man. He actually, um, and, and you know what? Um, I don't, I, I don't have any like ill feelings toward him or, or and I actually speak with all three neighbors and, and even with, you know, a couple of the other ones, um, multiple properties over. And, and it just, to be honest with you, it kind of, it helps in a sense that in the event a deer travels off of my property, which it, it, the farm that I hunt is, um, I think it's 72 acres, which I would say probably 80% of that, maybe 70, 70 to 80% of that is, you know, all field. So, you know, it's pretty probable, like in, in most ca- a lot of cases, that that if those deer run off of my place and onto the neighbors, you know, I, I keep a good relationship with them. We're kind of on a, hey, you know, just shoot me a text or whatever, and, and you can go retrieve your animal. So, yeah, um, he definitely knows that I have that hinge cut in there, and he definitely tries to key on it. He actually almost killed a, uh, four-year-old nine point. That was, I had my wife, Stacy. I was trying to get her to kill him this year. And, um, we were in there would have been like two days before he actually, you know, had this opportunity at the deer. And, um, you know, after going and checking the trail cameras, man, a deer walked right through the property literally directly to him. He was on a doe. So yeah, I mean, he definitely keys off of me a little bit, which is fine. <laughs>
1: yeah i just think that that's yeah. a tip of you know using your neighbor that you know that's a tip that shouldn't get overlooked and um i don't think i've heard anybody on on any of the shows that i've listened to um you know talk about using that as a tactic
3: yeah man i i do it in state game lands you know in pennsylvania i'm, I'm hunting uh actually pretty much all state or state game lands you know um all public land and uh so you know w- the guys that I actually I, I love and I thank, um, if they're listening now, I'm sorry. I, I hope that you change up after this, but those guys that go to the same exact spot every single day. And I love you think that. The, the more you're going to sit there, the more chances you're going to have. And eventually a deer is going to walk under you. And, and you know what? I'm not going to tell you that, you know, a, a young buck might slip up or, um, you know, Maybe God puts a big deer underneath you, who knows? But for the most part, if we're talking deer in general and we're talking big white tails, it when I'm you know, I gotta sometimes classify because I'm not talking, you know, when I'm when I'm usually talking about deer, I'm talking about big mature deer and how they act and what they do. You know, yes. you'd be surprised at how many times those deer will keep those those guys, those hunters, on their upwind side at all times because they just know they're going to be there and when they're there they want to know they're there and then to, you know they use them to their advantage so hunting on the downwind side of those guys if if the sign is there i'm not saying just go find a tree stand and you know oh this guy hunts here all the time i'm gonna go set up 100 yards or 200 yards downwind of them no i'm not saying that at all i'm saying if if the sign is there it's probably why he's hunting that spot so dang much um you know it, one of the don't I guess what I should say is don't overlook hunting downwind of that guy on public ground because those deer often will put themselves where they can either see, hear, or smell the most prevalent,
2: the most often danger. Yeah, I think that's a great tip because, I mean, if you're trying, you know, in the end game, we're trying to eliminate timber that we think the deer aren't using. So if you're downwind of guy, you know you've eliminated, you know, a hundred yards or so or out of sight of where that guy's going to potentially see these deer where you can see them. Cause they're going to pinch around them. If you know the deer are going to feed field in a certain direction, you know? Uh, but one thing I wanted to ask when you hinge cut your property, how long did it take before Buck started using that as a bedding area? Well, to be honest with you, man, they, they were already using it. And I was noticing
3: that, you know, the four or five and I had, I had some, couple old really old bucks on there i killed one of them two years ago um and and i was told that this was before i had the farm so i don't have have like too too much history with it i've been this will be my fourth year on it but um the neighbor city is an eight and a half year old deer they tried killing them for years and um i just got lucky i guess so (laughs) um but yeah that I, i noticed that they were the the big mature deer generally are in one of two spots, and I can honestly tell you, it's it's almost it's kind of odd on that specific farm. I don't see this you know often. Other times with but big mature deer, um, but but they kind of I want to say they almost share the bedding area. Um, and it's not big, it's not that big, but um, yeah. So so in that bedding area, I I just had noticed that that's you know where every big deer i've seen you know sitting in the stand you can see a little ways every big deer i saw you know was was coming from there or going to there and so i kind of went in there and just you know i'm very adamant about making it better anything it doesn't matter what you you can look at your vehicle that you know sitting in the driveway and and, and it can be better um your bow can be better Your, your hunting property is no you know no different um so you know, when I when I went on that property, I, I realized you know there's a lot of ag ground, but there's not. And and once it's cut, there's not a whole lot of food here for them. So so, I wanted to put the right kind of food plots in there for them, and I did that. Um, I also wanted to create more bedding. I wanted more deer to live and stay on that property and have no reason to leave whatsoever. Um, and you know, there's been other other places I've hunted, you know, where I'll put water holes in or I'll do whatever, anything can be better. And if you really genuinely want it to be better, you know, I'm sure if you do a little bit of Google searching or YouTubing, or even just pick your own brain, man, you know, you come up with something,
2: right? Oh yeah. There's always improvements that you can be made. I mean, we we're really big and adamant on, you know, if we had permission on the ground to enhance it, that's something that we take a lot of pride in trying to do. It uh, only better it's the wildlife that are on it and also, you know, makes our hunting better. And uh, mm-hmm. something rewarding, you know, after you put in the work and then you're successful, um, it, it's just more rewarding. I mean, we, we got a property now. Homie's like, I'm going to shoot the first forking horn that comes by because we, <laughs> we put so much work into it. You know yeah. what I mean? And he's like, I just want to kill something off here. But, uh <laughs> yeah but uh, you know
3: something else something else i do when we were discussing hinge cutting um and this this isn't necessarily you know to better any bedding areas or anything but if if i have a trail that i want to kill a deer on i don't they don't do me any good seeing them 70 80 yards out there um and this is in ohio i'll do this and if i have any private ground in pennsylvania that i'm hunting i'll also do this um I will cut and fall trees to, to block any other routes through. And honestly, it doesn't work all the time. I mean, I've, I've been sitting in the stand and I'm like, what the hell? That deer just went right through all that crap. How the heck did he even make it through there? But I'll, I'll fall trees. I call it herding the deer. And, um, you know, when you herd them right under your stand, like if, if they're going from one point to the next, they got to go under your stand. I mean, it's, there's nothing better than that, right?
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. We're trying to figure out a way to do that to get them on our food plot within bow range so we don't know if we're going to do like a few rolls of corn to try to pinch them down or milo or something thicker or sunflowers but you know
3: what i'd do even cheaper go get snow fence from Lowe's and put it halfway through your food plot on the side that you don't want them going to as much they're not going to jump that fence they're going to go around it and it's not going to bother them either they don't give mm. two craps about that fence. It doesn't bother them one bit. But if you put a fence in, you don't even have, you can use chicken wire fence, anything that's you know four foot off the ground, five foot off the ground. They're going to walk around it. It's, it's a cheap. good idea. Yeah.
1: And that maybe <laughs> yeah. saves some of the beans for later in the year when we really are wanting to key in on that.
3: Yeah. 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 You guys are able to plant beans where you're at? Yeah. Uh, that's got to be primo.
2: Yeah, well, with we uh, this will be the first year that we're on this piece. It's about an acre and three quarters we're going to plant and beans. And uh, we had a lot of good bucks in the rut, um, some 130s, 140s early season. And then late season, it was just vacant. It's uh, hmm. a lot of CRP, and we had that big snow, and it just flattened that CRP, and they just see, said, see ya. So Is that right? We're hoping that we don't get a heavy snow, and then with that food there, there is some cedars and some Creek draws that would hold bedded deer. But, uh, you know, they, they just went to in the timber where they, they could hit the browse and stuff. Hopefully with the beans there, we'll be able to hold them. And, uh, we're going to put a nice blind on it where we can get out of the weather and do some muzzleloader, late muzzleloader hunts and stuff out there too. So
3: nice, nice. You got competition around with
2: food, late season food sources? Uh, no food plots, just a lot of ag fields, um, that yeah. they're hitting. So we're, like uh, the piece that we're hunting, no one really wanted to hunt it because it's so far north. People didn't think there'd be deer on it from the rest yeah. of the timber. But uh, as me and homie has found, these bucks during the rut are—I mean, we're a mile or so from any timber to the north. Would you say,
1: homie? Yeah.
2: And they're going across open fields that far and coming into the, the piece at n- middle of the day,
1: noon, eleven nice. o'clock.
2: You know what I mean? So um works that's a piece that we figured out a lot more we put a lot of work in we did a 14 acre crp burn on it so we're gonna have that fresh soft stem crp uh so hopefully they bed in it more um so yeah we're all about the habitat enhancement there's a piece on public that was hinge cut uh three years ago and i walked it two years ago and it just wasn't thick yet and yeah, usually uh that's why i was, four years. Really That's why I was wondering. I feel, like, I feel like now if I went back there, it would be a different story. And uh, I think some bucks might actually use it. I was in there late season shed hunting, and uh, it was just really open. You know, it hasn't got that undergrowth to grow up yet. So I think maybe uh, me and homie have to go check that out this year and see if it's grown up. That's why I was wondering, you know, how many years it took them to really key in on an area. So, well, I, I feel
3: like that first year was kind of – they were a little bit nervous of it maybe. And, um, but they, they eventually worked their way back into it though, you know, and, and it was, I don't believe it had anything to do with the hinge cutting. I just believe it was where they, you know, knew that they bedded before. And the reason why it's, it's basically every deer when they bed or not every deer, every big mature dominant buck okay the primes the primes on the property the ones that get the first first choice they're good and this is farm country deer we're talking about and and it also kind of applies i guess to any deer in general but most oftentimes they're always going to have that wind at their back and they're going to have a clear line of sight downwind right because they can't use their nose downwind so they're either going to use their eyes or their ears so like that that could you know, be referring to say like a, a water or, or swamp. Like if something's coming across a swamp, it's going to make noise. There's no way in hell you're going to get through it without, you know, uh, mucking up, up boots. Or if it's say a coyote or any kind of predator, any kind of you know danger. And if they're coming from from the downwind side of them, they got their nose, and that's their most important tool. So, um, you know, that's that's why those deer bed where they bed. Um, and I didn't catch on to that until the 2nd year hunting that property um i actually was on a i don't know probably a 160 155 160 ish 10 point and he had i named him johnny Browse because he literally his brow times were like nine inches um just a beautiful buck and the deer literally you know he was showing up on my trail cameras all day like all daylight and um I'm thinking, you know, why the hell can't I kill this deer? I don't understand what is going on. You know, he's, I know where he's bedding. They can't be, can't be watching me. Well, he was, and I didn't realize where my access was. I mean, you know, late season, you can see through these trees and I kind of assumed that it was thick enough, but the way I found that out is I actually went and I laid, I I sat in his bed. I I took a knee and sat in his bed. This was after season now. But I went and sat in his bed looking for sheds, and um, I I got a really good view of exactly everything that that deer could see. And I cannot even tell you, you know, how how much that helped me to do that. And my eyes were opened to, like, you know, and I've, I've heard of guys doing that before, but I was always thinking to myself, you know, man, you can sit in a deer's bed like, you think that thing's ever going to come back to that thing? <laughs> and you know, they do. They, they genuinely do and and um I'm not gonna tell anybody to go do that stuff you know like on a regular basis or anything of that sort but you know the, if you were to do it right now it's it's what uh, um, it, uh what is the date today
1: the 17th it's it's
3: yeah it's april it's april well yeah it's (laughs) april anyways but it's april 17th you know turkey season's here. but if if you did find where you know you think a big buck is bedding do not hesitate right now to go sit in his bed go sit there and see exactly what that deer is seeing and and it'll allow you to know what you can and can't do and how you can get away with what what you can and can't get away with i mean it's 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 knowledge
2: that is you know you can't put a price on yeah for sure we uh me and homie had them figured out we thought on the buck beds and homie thought he had them figured out of the buck bed and then we hunted them for a year and had success and then they weren't there the next year
3: right. <laughs> so
0: well, we don't know if thing, that was
2: us or we just killed a deer that was using that area one or the <laughs> other but
3: yeah and and you know i, I do want to stress this too man i i'm I'm, I'm a very confident person, man. Sometimes, not sometimes, always overly confident. You know, every time I go to the woods, it is, there's no doubt in my mind that I'm killing a deer that I'm going out there for a reason. And today is the day every day. And guess how many times that actually happens? Very few. And, you know,
2: um,
3: (laughs) when you think you got them figured out, you know, it, 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 it changes. It's never, it's never exactly how you think it's going to happen. I mean, I can't say that, but very rarely is it exactly how you're going to think it's going to happen. Very, very rarely are they doing exactly what you you think is, you know, going to happen with them and being adaptable has probably been not probably it's, it's most certainly been the most, you know, uh, powerful thing to help me be successful. Um, and I can't put enough stress on that, you know, be adaptable and, and roll with the punches. You never know what's going to happen out there. And, and, you know, when you see an opportunity, you know, take it, don't, don't sit back and, and just, just, you know, hope and pray that it's going to happen because that was what your original plan was. I planned on hunting this stand today, or I planned on hunting there or whatever, you know, be adaptable
2: and, and and roll with the punches. Yeah. I like that point. There's been times where you know homie you he knows my north corner stand it's got perfect wind you can literally never be winded in it with how the deer access it but if that stand would have been 70 yards deeper i could have killed deer but i could have had the chance to get winded and that's something that homie tells me all the time i'm not aggressive enough but you saying that you know if i would have moved that stand even that day and hunted that evening i could have killed deer but Mm -hmm. in my mind i stayed there and uh you know, and then watch them walk away at 70 yards. So <laughs> I can't tell you how many times I've done it. And,
3: and, um, I, I, promise you I'll, I'll do it again. Um, you know, I, I second guess myself and I'm I, I do that to myself all the time. I'll actually, you know, I'll be driving sometimes to, to go to a certain spot or whatever, a certain stand location. And, um, I'm thinking, man, I wonder if I should go check this other one. I wonder if I should go, you know, go, go sit another place or whatever and you know it's it it's it's one of them catch 22s man because if you do turn around and you go check the other or you go you know hit another spot up chances are you know you were right the first time but if you go sit that stand and you don't you know um uh change up your plan and go with your second thoughts, you know. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> they gonna have a crap hunt. Yeah. Yeah, you mm. are yeah, gonna see nothing that day and you're gonna go check the trail camera at the other place. There's gonna be a giant gundo sitting under your tree.
1: <laughs> so <laughs> yeah. you know
3: I don't know, man. That's a that's a double edged sword there, buddy.
1: Well yeah, since, that's
2: mean. go ahead, honey.
1: Oh I was I was gonna ask him, you know, well since Cody brought it up about being aggressive, um, with the public land that you're hunting, are you um mostly always aggressive or are you kind of doing some observation sits or, um, you know, what time of the year do you like to really start being aggressive towards getting after a certain deer?
3: Um, if I, on public land, these are big woods. If I, if I know of a deer and I would say probably almost every time that it's happened, it's, it's either through trail cameras or through sitting and seeing them and, and, you know, it might be a deer I've never had on a trail camera. Um, it just, you know, like you said, observation, um, I will not waste a second. I will be extremely, um, you, you know, I never, never in the big woods have I been successful by saying, you know what, I'm going to catch up with that deer in the rut, not in any way, shape, or form. Um, you know, big woods deer, I would say, if you know that there are deer moving 70 yards away from you, go, go where they are. Do not, you know, don't be standoffish and just think like, oh, well, you know, I, I, this was my original thought. I'm going to probably sit here, take the time, just move the damn stand and get your, get, get in the game, you know, um, be where they are or you're, 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 you're screwed. Now in Ohio, and I believe that that probably relates more with Illinois, what, what you're talking, I am less, um, uh, what's the word we were using here? Uh, aggressive. aggressive. Yeah, I am. I'm definitely less aggressive. Um, and I go back into the less is more because those deer, like I said, you know, so I, I also probably should tell you a backstory. I got, you know, one, one deer I'm hunting and, um, I hunted him last year, And so I'm not trying to, you know, I don't, I try to stay out of there as much as possible, but when the time is right, and I feel like he's going to walk, you know, I, I make sure I'm out there. So um, I guess I'm, I'm worried in a sense like in Ohio on farm ground, and this probably would pertain to any state in farmland, you know, if you do booger those bucks too many times, you know, the, the more mature bucks, then they're most likely not going to be sticking around, you know, it changes the game completely when they know they're being hunted. Um, and, and maybe more, maybe even, you know, big woods deer too, but here's the thing, like with big woods deer, um, I, I honestly, I, I don't even know exactly, you know, how many, shooter bucks there are out there i kind of like that even too you know i don't get my heart set on one animal i'm i'm out there after a certain class buck and you know if it doesn't work out on that one you can move on to the next one like in ohio man if if, if you're one deer you're hunting you know is no longer you know betting on your property then you're you're boned you know you, you sit out and waiting, you know, sometimes it can take a month before another one's in there that you want to go after.
2: <laughs> yeah, I so. feel I feel like I might I may be wrong here because I don't know a lot about big woods, but I feel like if you're hunting ag ag ground with maybe small small acreage of timber, you might have you know might have an eighty acre piece, but a lot of it's field or something. Mm-hmm. I feel like on big woods, there's a lot more options for the bucks to bed. You know, on ag fields, I feel like there's certain bedding areas that are good and there's certain places that they just don't bed, right, at all. because they can't, you know. Mm-hmm. Too much pressure off a road or not a field There's, you know. So I feel like if you bump that deer in a big woods, he might go, you know, a quarter mile or something. But I feel like if you bump him in ag fields, he might go half mile mile until he finds another place that he likes. Yeah. And that's why I'm so, like, tiptoe on my pieces because it's, it's small. And then if you bump them off, they're going to be on the neighbors so quick. And if the neighbors are hunting, it's like you, you know, if, if I press in and bump it and someone's using me as an advantage and we have that now, we, since we've been, me and homie have been killing deer, we get people closer and closer to us, you know? Mm-hmm. So now we have people hunting right by us. And if we bump deer off and they're hunting, they're dead. So. Right. mm uh-huh homie's way more aggressive than me and he's been successful doing it and i've been successful doing it my way most of the time we're hunting he's like we need to do this i'm like nope nope
1: uh, no i'm not doing that he'll just look at me like are you crazy i'm just like
3: (laughs) 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 well here's the thing you know here's the thing i've learned about hunting man and talking with different people and, and i've you know i don't I don't watch much TV. Actually, I don't watch barely any TV. I don't even have like cable or anything of that sort, but um, I've I've been watching like different YouTube and uh, listening to a few podcasts as of lately. And it's amazing to me, some of these guys, you know, hunting tactics and hunting styles. And I don't believe that any one is the right way. You know, I I, I think very highly of uh, uh, Don Higgins and, you know, his, his, hunting style is pretty similar to what i would be hunting in ohio um you know the aggressive uh uh, you know aaron from uh hunting public you know those guys i like i love watching their shows actually because it's something i can relate to with big woods deer but you know illinois deer or i'm sorry um iowa has a way higher deer density than you know where where i'm hunting in pennsylvania so and it's that certainly you know the three-year-olds and four-year-olds in iowa ground are, are far bigger than you know the three and four-year-olds in pennsylvania so but um hell i don't even remember where i was going
2: with this but what was the question again i'm sorry oh you're talking about you know Uh, how other people hunt different tactics yeah
3: yeah I, i don't think there's any any you know right way to hunt them and and you know you can be successful doing it multiple different ways i think what's important is that you know you learn what is is good for your particular spot because you know you can you can be aggressive in in one block of woods and and find that you know a mile down the road you maybe that was the wrong thing to do. Nothing works a hundred percent of the time. Nothing, nothing is, is the way to do it. It's, you know, being adaptable and, and also relying on your woodsmanship skills. I believe, you know, um, uh, seeing and, and kind of figuring out what the deer tendencies are is, is extremely important.
2: Yeah, definitely. I, uh, I, I really like watching the other people's styles, but like when I try them, I just like, I don't know how many people, you know, say, find the fresh sign, hunt the fresh sign. And I'm probably going to get owned for saying this. I'm a home podcast, but I just, I'm not successful doing that. Whether it's private, public, anywhere I go, I'm just not successful doing that. And I don't know what it is, but uh, I'm really successful on either finding one early that I can kill on betting on acorns or killing them in the rut in a pinch point, you know? Mm-hmm. And, uh, I just haven't been able to, you know, I've killed deer in mid-October, but it wasn't because I found the fresh sign. It was because, you know, I was hunting acorns or hunting bedding or something like that. But uh, just like you said, there's like the hunting public, I enjoy watching them too. Um, Different, fun. Um, They make a lot of moves, uh, really aggressive, but they hunt a ton of ground, right? They're on big public pieces and it doesn't really matter if they bump deer. So me and homies talk this year. We're going to go public, and we're going to do some radical stuff and see if it works. You know what I mean? And if we bump deer, I just have to get out of the mentality of if I bump a deer, I'm affecting it personally for me. If you bump a deer, count it as a blessing on that on state ground.
3: If you bump a deer on state ground, please stop where you're at, mark your phone, GPS that exact spot, go back there and hunt that deer and kill him. Maybe even the following day. I cannot stress that enough.
2: That's a good thing. Those
3: deer have been bumped and bumped and bumped multiple times. And and I cannot stress to you enough. They're their bedding. I'm not gonna tell you that they don't have, you know, probably five or six beds. I I don't I don't even know. You can't put a number on it, but that's one of their beds. And it did work with that's that was his preferred bedding with that particular wind and that particular day. So, so what I would recommend and tell you is, is please don't, you know, that's, that's one of the things that was hardest for me years ago was, was, you know, I'd put up a big deer on the big ground and I'm like, Oh my God, I can't believe I just did that. You know, the the hunt's blown. I might as well just go right back to the truck anyways, you know? Well, no, because you know, the, the following day walking in, in that same way, I bumped the same, same big, you know big buck and i'm like you know it 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 was really eye-opening to me that you know that deer was betting there for a reason he has you you know what i mean it it worked his plan worked he you put yourself in his shoes right and he knows that you know the majority of guys come in this particular way or whatever it might be right it's coming off of a a, um, public access parking or or whatever that might be so if you're putting a deer up you're 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 finding out exactly where his bed is, and, and that's that's probably one of the biggest tickets to, to killing a deer, in my opinion, is, is knowing where exactly they bed.
2: Yeah. Sure. Did you have something, homie?
1: Um, not on that um, specific topic there. I was just going to transition to something that I wanted to cover. Go
2: ahead, man. All right. It's your show. Um, <laughs> you, got the, you got the controls over there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right?
1: We still got squiggles, so we're good. Um, cool. Down here on the notes, Dan, um, you have A to B, bed to food early and late season, scrapes late October through early November. Um, wh- I feel like the worst or my least experienced part of my hunting game is early season. Um, our season opens up here October 1st um cody's killed you know a couple bucks in october um i got lucky and got an arrow off at a deer october 23rd two years ago but other than that um i've killed a couple does in october and um you know i'd just like you to dig into the early october game and kind of explain some of that
3: well um during hunting season I believe I'm probably more knowledgeable than most weathermen. (laughs) And so uh, I am constantly watching the weather. Um, And it, it kind of, it consumes me. Um, You know, I feel bad for my wife that time of year. So what are you doing? You know, when we're supposed to be talking, I'm supposed to be listening. I'm like, you know, I'm checking, checking the weather, seeing what's going on. Well, and, and I keep a close eye on it. So, so, I'm gonna tell you like in my opinion, early season, and this goes for opening day through probably, you know, into the last week of October. And it also applies to late season. So early season deer can be hunted pretty similar with with some exception with quite a few exceptions, but but similar in the sense that you know they're they're on food patterns. That's that's pretty much your only hope, right? Well, I am watching the weather religiously and um one of the biggest things that i i do like to watch is weather underground so if you can go on www.weatherunderground.com you got to go on an actual computer to get the screen up but but basically what i'm looking at on there is when the temperature is dropping barometric pressure is rising that is when it is literally a trigger i don't watch the moon phase in that sense, not that time of year. I don't watch the moon phase. I don't watch anything else. I don't really care about anything else, to be honest with you. All I'm watching is for that temperature drop, barometric pressure spike, and they'll actually, on the bar graph, on weatherunderground.com, they will come together, almost touching. And when that happens, it is literally, it is lights out. And you better believe that the mature deer, and deer in general, That is when you're going to see your best movement in October. So here's another thing that I also, you know, do is, is I will have trail cameras and, and particularly cell phone cameras on their first food source. Finding their first food source is extremely hard, especially, you know, in Pennsylvania where you can't put bait down, but in Ohio, I will, I've been pretty successful in Ohio in the sense of early season because I can put out, I put out big time. I know every other, you know, uh, uh, property around me is putting out corn and feeders or whatever it is that they're, you know, some people throw it on the ground. Um, I put big time out and I've had corn sitting next to it and they, certainly 100% prefer that big time over it. It's got a mix of stuff in it. So, so what I'll often do is set it, you know, 300 yards, 400 yards from where their bedding area is, 200 yards actually is, is where I'm set up right at the moment. And I'll be, you know, kind of keying on for this year. Um, I will set up a cell phone camera on that and I'll know exactly when that deer is coming to that. So, when he starts having a tendency of coming later, and it, it it's generally leading up to that cold front. So you'll see him say um, on Friday, Friday, you're sitting there, and your, uh, your phone goes off. And on the cell phone camera, it's just 10 minutes after dark that shooter's there. Okay. Well, tomorrow... We have a sudden spike in barometric pressure and a temperature's dropping 10, 15 degrees. If it's going 15 or 20 degrees, you better believe that it. it's going to be on fire. I will hunt that deer in that scenario. And I'm, I'm basing that off of, I'm trying to predict, you know, that he's, that's his first food source. And I'm not even saying that I'd necessarily sit that stand exactly either. Cause I've sat in that deer's bed. I know exactly where you can see, I have stands set up in the vicinity of his bedding area as well. <laughs> so like I said, it's a, um, uh, adaptable kind of thing, but, but that's, that's how I have been early season, probably the most successful. And, um, and I'm, when I'm saying early season, I'm talking, you know, through mid October, when, after, say, you know, I, I can't give you a specific date, but when I see things starting to change with their, their way they're acting, mm-hmm. um, you know, I will, I will start hunting scrapes and I will, you know, take my cell phone cameras to those scrapes. So, you know, there's a lot of guys who will tell you there is an October law. There's not an October law. I can't tell you one way or the other. I, I, I feel like. I don't care what time of year it is. If there's a cold front coming through, that's the number one best time to hunt. There's, there's no ends ifs or buts cold or, or, you know, I don't care what time of year it is. But um, so, so early season, like I said, you know, and this honestly, for the most part in Ohio, um, after that first week, this stuff kind of the deer changed entirely. And it's not even necessarily because i've even hunted them yet on my property or anything of that sort it's because I, i i don't know if you know maybe it's human scent throughout the rest of the woods you know they do go out and they roam and and you know i'm sure those deer catch on pretty dang quick man um but you know it seems like after that first week they they turn into completely different animals and um those cold fronts though are the only only thing I'm looking at through October and why I'm hunting there. if we're talking big woods deer like Pennsylvania where I'm hunting, I will hunt them just no matter what. Um, I feel like being that there is no supplemental feed um, and they do have to travel for their food, you know they're more they're more apt to get on their feet and and move and forage and look for food. Um, I don't believe they leave their bedding area very far, um, probably within their sight window, their comfort zone, you know, around them. But, but I will hunt those deer if I have something that I, you know, feel confident on. If not, I'm, I'm probably scouting or I'm probably, you know, doing an observation
2: sit. I see. So when you're, when you're going in there, so you're going in on a cold front and that's when I've been successful in October is on, you know, those cold front days, especially if there's a rainstorm that comes through and then it's starting to drop off. That seems to really get them going, but how close to the bedding are you setting up? And then how far away from that is their major food source? Cause you're saying it's their first food source, maybe acorns, maybe you know, some supplement that you have out or some food that you have out, how far away are you realizing that they are from their major food source? Um, you know,
3: that, that's a situational thing. That's a, that's a very, that's a tough question. You know, um, primary foods, I, I believe, you know, generally are, you know, the ag ground, um, if we're talking Ohio. Um, so, you know, that could vary, but like, you know, my, my Ohio farm, for example, um, that is probably you know, it's the only ag ground actually for a good good ways. And I believe that is a large contributor also to, you know, why I hold deer. But um, you know, I'm I'm trying to think back to you know, different Ohio properties that I've hunted and it's it's all ag ground, but um, you know, some of them could be you know a good 300 yards some of them could be 500 yards from from where the the big ag fields are but um you know i i i try to set up in between and if you're sitting this is another thing man i'm going to say this and i hope you know i know that there, i've killed deer off of edges of fields multiple times actually and and i can't even you know i, I feel bad or I, I don't feel confident in saying this but i'm going to say it but You know, those deer, the primes that you're trying, that that everybody wants to kill, are not making it to the big ag fields before it's dark.
2: Yeah, that's the point point I was trying to make, is I feel like when, you know, people feel they, they, well, it's going to be cold, you know, cold fronts come in, and then they hunt the field edges. Well, that deer is up and moving, but it's not going to be there for another half hour or hour. and and you just educated that deer because when he does get there you're you're going to be getting out of your stand or you're going to have scent on the ground area but i feel like when people say october lull they i believe that october lull is individual towards bucks that's what i believe i feel like some bucks move more in october and some don't you know yeah and personalities uh, yeah but uh i feel like a lot of people hunt the field edges in october and expect well, it's cold, so the deer are going to be moving. And then they see some does, but they're like, "Well, the bus must might be moving because it's middle October when they're actually just they're only a hundred yards from their bedding." Or you know, mm-hmm. and that's where it goes back to access again. You got to yeah. have the access to get in there and get close to them, and you're going to have to figure out how that deer is exiting his bedding to figure out what stand you're going to set up on. You know, in that area. I agree, and and so. You
3: know, I'm I'm fortunate in the sense that I can hunt Ohio and Pennsylvania. So during those times when the movement has like I guess their range, their movement, their range has minimized. <clears throat> and they're not hitting those fields until after dark. And you know, they're they're they, they become a different animal, basically. Let's 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 say like that. Like after that first week in Ohio, I'll generally Turn all my efforts to Pennsylvania, and I, I probably won't hunt Ohio for the most part, unless on the cell phone cameras they're telling me something because I want as little pressure in there as possible. Because what I'm trying to do is I'm trying to keep an eye on those does, make sure those does are happy, they're fed, and make sure that they're there. Because when when it does come time for the rut, then you know you'll have you'll have bucks. And here's something that I pay attention to this is probably fast forwarding into say like November 2nd, 3rd, 4th, or, you know, sometimes earlier, sometimes later. But if you have a specific doe, let's say one fawn, or maybe she has two fawns, what I recommend you do is learn that doe, try and find a marking on her or figure her out. And this this really, you know, cell phone cameras have kind of changed my game completely in Ohio, but, watch that doe and when she breaks from her fawns when her when she starts coming to that food source without her fawns or her fawns start getting there you know an hour before her because they're making dumb moves they're not being guided by their mother then then what you want to do is is key on that doe and know that she's coming into heat in the next day to two days and and that i'll hunt that doe um and generally when when you're hunting that doe, you go sit that food source after she's broke from her, you know, her from her fawns. Um, it's not long before, you know, like within a two days, three days sometimes, that there are going
2: to be bucks tailing her. I think so that's she'll... a great tip. Yeah, I think that's a great tip that a lot of people don't think about, you know. Mm. That's something that me and homie could do, you know. We know where the doe's in dead, but we're not really keying in on we're not pattering the does as much as we should be. Don't you think homie? You know, I mean, I'm thinking like the North set where we know there's three does that are bedded in that area, right by that stand. Yep. Uh, and, uh, we know how they're accessing it, but we, I really never seen when the fawns left them it Seemed yeah. like they're with them all year. Yeah. So.
1: And even, um, there the week before Thanksgiving, uh, the doe I shot still had a button buck fawn with her, and um, he wasn't going anywhere anytime soon. It, it seemed like he was pretty still attached. Is that right? Yeah.
3: That's interesting. So so let me ask you this. Did you guys have a specific day, like, say, November 9th, November 10th, <laughs> November 7th, where yeah. uh, there were shooters on your cameras, like, like they, they, there was a hot dough in
2: there? November um, 3rd no well the night at home what night did
1: you hunt the night uh, yeah I hunted the ninth um that was actual hunter uh visual on multiple shooters um that heard, was morning
2: and night yeah,
1: yeah morning and night in the same area we made a move moved to stand about 120 yards 150 yards um multiple shooters that day and I heard a couple bucks actually fighting And then I had a crazy seven point spike come in, um, nose on the ground, dogging hard. Um, and then I saw two does like literally at dark and, uh, by themselves. So, Uh um, and then you said
3: that was November 3rd,
1: that was the ninth, the, the night of November 9th, but Cody had seen two. Did you see two or three shooters that morning?
2: Three shooters that morning, and then you've seen three in the evening.
1: <laughs> yeah, so and we're not
2: sure if they're the same bucks or not, but uh, I think only one, one was the same. Yeah, yeah, one of them was the same.
1: But um, then so November
2: third, you know. our our mobile cam was just on fire. That was the night that, or the day that we had them bucks fighting on cam and yep. uh, four bucks. I just got some, yeah, some of the most amazing trail cam pictures on my cell cam, November third of just bucks five foot in front of them fighting and uh, at like 10 in the morning too you know so you know there's something going on back there mm-hmm. well that's what that could have been what happened is that doe came in early and then you know the fawns came back after they got pushed off
3: yeah no they'll, they'll get back together but for for two days sometimes mostly usually two days three days they'll break away while the buck is you know they're not going to be anywhere around that that buck that the dominant buck that has that dough but um so so what i'd what i'd really like to and i'm sure you guys i'm i hope i pray that you guys already know this but um i'm, I'm sure don't many of the listeners might not know this either but so that dough is going to come into heat probably the same exact day next year or a day before or a day after so they call it Some people call it like a five-day rule. I like to narrow it myself down to more of a three-day rule. Three days before, three days after, the deer is going to do the same exact thing as he did the year before. So that buck, and I cannot tell you, I don't, you know, they're not as smart as we all put them off to be, but I will promise you this is a fact. This is not my, (laughs) this is not my opinion. Those deer do the same exact thing. I actually know guys who have killed multiple you know, deer throughout years, and they will say, okay, well, this buck was showing up, showed up on this trail camera on this scrape or on this coming through this funnel or, you know, on a doe or whatever the year before he was here on November 3rd at 10 o'clock. And they will kill him within that hour of that same exact. And it's, it's, it's crazy, but it is, it is so, so true. Um, so and in your guys' scenario, if you need someone to come down there and hunt on November third, you let <laughs> me
2: <know. laughs> but seriously yeah. though. I you hope know, that happens because me and homie are gonna arm wrestle for the, the burner town spot.
0: <laughs> seriously, <laughs> yeah. I'm not kidding, yeah.
2: man. And you know
3: what? Like on those on those kind of days, man, you know, do like I said, like, you know, with the uh, uh, um somebody hunting down to the other person. I'm not kidding, man. You'd be surprised at like, you know, I, and it's, my eyes have really been open to that more. So, um, you know, when I'm hunting with a buddy, it used to be, you know, with a video camera, man. So, you know, that was either my cousin or one of my good friends or whatever Or I was videoing them. So, so since I got married, my wife hunts, she's a hunting maniac dude. But, um, so what I've started kind of realizing and, and I've really turned myself onto this whole, You know keying off of each other a little bit more you know either she gets the prime stand or i get the prime stand and it's honestly i don't think i've ever gotten a prime stand but (laughs) she'll get the prime stand and you know i'll hunt downwind of her i'll make sure i'm on the downwind side of her and you'd be surprised man like on those days, man, mark them on your calendars, put a reminder on your phone and, and, and make sure that you're in the woods. And I don't even care what the weather is like. It's like they have a uh, it's like they literally have a calendar built in their head. And I believe, you know, I say that, but I've talked with a lot of deer farmers about this and I've read articles and, and so on and so forth. But they say does will come in heat. In this, within 24 hours of, you know, say the year before they came in on November 1st at 3 p.m. Or, you know, like if they could actually put a, a, a real exact time on it. But within 24 hours, that doe is going to come in that same time. And here's another fun fact for you. The fawns that she's had, the doe fawns, they will inherit
2: that from their mothers as well. Wow. Wow. And that that makes a lot more sense than the bucks like n- like just going to that area. They know that that fawn is going to go into heat within 24 hours, so mm-hmm. they're going to be there within that time frame. You know, close to when they were before because they got lucky before there. You know, what I mean, yep, or exactly. if they were cruising somewhere to get lucky, and they know they got to be somewhere. I mean, if a if, if a girl told me to be at the bar at 9:30, I probably made it by nine. You know, what I mean, <laughs> back in the day, <laughs> so so uh, i that makes a lot of sense to me now that you said with the dough no one's broken it down to me with the does doing that before so that that's something i learned i had no idea that they would go you know within a day of the same so Mm -hmm. i learned i learned a lot on this one man this is well with that you know and and kind of here's another
3: thing that i've uh, has really opened my eyes to it this is something this is something i'm i'm still learning and um I, I cannot call myself a master of this at all, but if you, if you watch scrapes as well, um, and this is, this is from, you know, hunting the same properties for multiple years or having cameras on specific scrapes or properties for multiple years, the same bucks will come back to those scrapes most oftentimes. And I'm not going to tell you that there's any rhyme or reason to, I, I I'm still not a great scrape hunter whatsoever. I, I, you know, I haven't figured it out entirely, but those same deer will come back to those scrape locations. And if you pay close attention, I can't tell you exactly year to year if it's the same doe or not, but I can tell you that there are multiple does that also will come to that same scrape location. So it's like they're, it's their local bar, you know, they're, 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 everybody's going to that, that scrape, everybody's going to that bar to see who's Who's hot tonight? You know who's <laughs> yeah who's ready to roll and and it's almost I, I believe that I don't know if there's any science behind this but in my mind what I what I believe is happening is that deer is putting a a picture or a time frame okay well this doe um, and I'm not sure it all is is driven around scrapes either I can't honestly say that one way or another but but in my mind that's how it's working is that they're they're coming to these same scrapes year after year, and they're finding that, hey, Susie over there is going to be coming in in five days, you know, or she's, she's getting close. I'm going to start spending more time in this area. Maybe that's what it means. I I don't know, but I will tell you that those does certainly come in the same, pretty much the same day, actually. And if you have a specific buck that was on your trail camera during daylight hours, like at 10 a.m. or what I've found is a lot of times those mature bucks, man, are or midday movers, but if you can mark that date and that time on your, on your phone, that, that I, I believe very fully that within three days now, I mean, I can't, like, so a lot of times it's down to the day, almost down to the hour, but, but, you know, there's obviously exceptions to that, but that's, that's one of the, strongest things I've, I've found. So I know November 9th, I'm in the same boat. I'm, uh, my wife is, and I don't even know what this deer's gonna come back as this year. He was up probably like a hundred high forties, nine point last year. Um, I know that on the ninth, he is extremely killable. And it's been for two years now. So when he was a three-year-old, he was extremely killable on the ninth. And on the ninth this year, as a four-year-old, he, or I'm sorry, this past year, as a four-year-old, he was extremely killed when he He's coming back. I hope he's still alive. I mean, you know, praying. But um, that he's a nice, but really, really beautiful book. Um,
1: is that in the know, same area too?
2: Yeah, yeah, same ones. Okay. okay. Well, Dan, if uh, if if one of us kills like a 180 on November 12th at like 9 a.m. <laughs> or like a like a 150s eight on uh, November 5th at like 10:30. I'm going to tag you on, on the I, pitch. I'll I be beg like, you to, man. Dan's the man. man.
3: <laughs> I really, I hope you do, man. I, there's nothing better than to hear, you know, when, when something I tell somebody actually works, I got, I got guys I work with and, and um, you know, they're all been hunting for years and years, but I, I, I talk whitetail all the damn time. I can't shut it off. And, um, you know, unfortunately, I think some people, most people get kind of tired of hearing it, but, you know, the guys who do listen and and genuinely want to know different things that have worked and believe me when I tell you, I've had more things not work for me than I've had work for me. So, Mm -hmm. you know, um, and, and by all means, you know, here's something else. I I do want to make this a big point here is that my way is, is just, it's, it works for me. Okay. I don't know that it's going to work for everybody or or anything. and, And I don't believe I'm, anybody special or anything great i've been very fortunate i've been able to harvest quite a few really good bucks um you know the first 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 buck ever killed was a 10 and someone told me that was a once in a lifetime deer you're never going to shoot a deer like that again you know what i said like it, it like was sickening to me i'm thinking you know like is that that's it you know and and i never accepted that man so i i do believe that that drive and that motivation has kind of led me to have a little bit of knowledge that i do have and and i don't when i'm talking whitetails here I, I i hope that the listeners and you guys you know I, I i pray that you know i'm not a big-headed person thinking that i you know know everything or a know-it-all guy because i learn something every single year and i hear things from other guys and i use them and and that's what that's the beauty of hunting man is is every we can i don't care who you are
2: you're still learning yeah, when you think you know everything, you're done. You might yep. as well hang it up.
1: <laughs> exactly. You're
2: not gonna get any better. That's why. see. Yep. Well, homie, uh, I call Creek's Day on November twelfth.
1: So. Oh wow! <laughs> wow! <laughs> I, what happened to the arm uh, wrestle? You just forfeit that, or what? Well, that's I that's
3: a it. fair way
2: to settle it. <laughs>
1: <laughs> we'll see who has a buck down,
2: and we'll go from there. Now we had a an absolute stud just daylight in the middle of nowhere, in a pinch on uh, November twelfth. At eight forty one in the mor- morning, and, and have uh, you figured his why? What's why? Why was he doing that? Just tension uh, through there in the rut. That's the only thing we can figure out. Because really,
1: that we think there was does betting on the north end of the property, and he was going. We know there was four.
2: Yeah, yeah. We know there's four does betting on the north end of the property. I've seen them multiple times going well, north in to that, south.
3: In that scenario, what it sounds like, okay, is, is that deer was moving to where he knew there was going to be a hot dose. so he probably did it the year before and probably the year before that also. But here's what I'm going to tell you is that I would be watching that area religiously, you know, say starting November 9th, and, and I'd probably start, I would actually sit that that's a particular like scenario. It sounds like anyways, a pinch point and, or a funnel, you know, and, and moving from his bedding area or a whole nother block of woods, maybe.
2: Yeah. He's coming from he a knows, different area. Yeah.
3: Well, I'd, I'd sit it, I'd sit it three days, four or five days, even,
2: you know, I mean, to yeah, be. It's going to be 50 yards from our plot. Um, nice. perfect access on anything. If it's West and we got a lot of West, Northwest, West, Southwest, we can hunt it. It's um, going to be in a kind of like a, not the best tree, but you got to make it happen. You know what I mean? So, no doubt, man. That's usually where cover, it does happen. We're going to have cover, but it's not very big around.
1: <laughs> so, well,
3: When you don't have cover, I mean, are, are you guys still trying to get
2: the 20, 25 foot or are you, are you keeping no. your stands lower? Yeah, we're, we're staying lower. I'm always big on where the cover is, is where we go. I like to get Perfect. high, but sometimes you just can't. And there's one thing that we've learned from this podcast. We don't know how many people have said, if there's a tree that you need to be in, you got to be in it. Yep. So, Yeah, yep. I agree 100%. Yeah. And then, I mean, November 5th, we had uh, Lopside um, hit that scrape. That's the only day daylighted um, hmm. at at 10 30 in the morning. So homie, if lopside gets, gets his act together, he could be a one sixties eight.
1: Yeah, he could be. So
2: <laughs> if he, if he would, if he's got one side, that's really weak and then one side <laughs> that's real good. He would have been a one sixties eight this year if he didn't have that weak side, but
3: it's tough for an eight to make it to one sixties boy. But when they do they're, yeah. They're there,
2: yeah, There is a,
3: they're all special,
2: but yeah, there was a one eighty eight shot. Three years ago, just south, just south of my property. Yeah, oh, I could send stone. you a pic. I could send you a pic. If people don't believe, me, yeah, they're like, oh, no, no, I'm like, yeah, <laughs> I, I almost shot him the year before, uh, and he was in the 160s. Um, Is that but, right? Yeah, I had about 60 yards and just didn't come through. And I told homie how great my spot was going to be this year, and yeah, it wasn't very, wasn't very good, but uh, <laughs> we still got it done. So it happens, man. Yeah. Oh yeah. Man, this has been an excellent episode. I've learned an absolute ton. Uh, yeah, I'm going to pull these notes back up and cool. see if there's anything else. that. Uh, is there anything else that you want to cover? Or? Um,
3: you know, we, we kind of went into scrapes a little bit. And, and I would like to touch a little bit on, I don't know, you know, how many people are, have been turned on to rope scrapes yet and and this is something that i'm still fairly new to as well i've i've always i've always had great success with scrapes in general but i've always made them off of either existing scrapes that i had found before and and maybe used a vine or used something of that sort but you know i started using rope scrapes 3 years ago now and i cannot tell you like how insane it is the the amount of deer that will will come up and and bump their nose off. it. So how I'm making these rope scrapes is I'm getting a three-quarter inch bull rope. You can buy it on Amazon and they're cheap. Um, I buy them in 10 foot lengths and I usually get about three or three. Sometimes you can stretch four, you know, scrapes out of it. But you cut them in three foot sections basically or, you know, two and a half foot sections and then find whatever the tree is that you're going to put this scrape in where you're going to make it. And I put them underneath almost every one of my stands and my prime, my good stands like that are say like on a heavily tra- heavily used trail, or um, I like them on field edges. Um, usually, you know, if it's a spot where I say can shoot to the edge of a field. Um, and and what I'm doing is I'm, I'm tying it up with a paracord i'm sorry i'll zip tie the uh tree limb i'll get a tree limb that allows probably about six inches to eight inches hang below it and i'll tie a knot on that bull rope at the bottom of it and then i'll have that stick that i had tore off of the tree that i'm going to be putting it in and i will zip tie it to that and it just basically strengthens that rope up so it's not all you know floppy and too flimsy um i see and then I will tie a uh, paracord, you know, you can go on paracord.com, I think is where I get mine. And it's, it's extremely cheap stuff. And if you don't already have that for tree stands and everything else we do, you know, that you're missing out on that too. But um, I will tie it up then to that tree and have it about right at, say, like chest height, the bottom of that ball. And dude, you'd be surprised at how many deer use that. And it will turn into a primary scrape. It is insane.
2: <laughs> I've tried that before. Uh, I didn't do this, the stick on the rope and I made my rope a little longer than that. And I did it on an area where I haven't, didn't have a lot of buck activity before mm-hmm. just to try to do another draw. I planted a plot that year and, uh, I did have some bucks hit that, um, Scrape where I normally never had any buck sign at all. It was nocturnal, which uh, is kind of normal in that area of that farm. Mm -hmm. Um, We can't figure out why, but it is. (laughs) So,
3: uh, like when you say nocturnal, is it like an hour after dark nocturnal, or is it like two a.m.? Yeah, it's like three a.m., four a.m., five a.m. Yeah, that's that. That means they're probably not bedding too close in. I'd imagine.
2: Yeah, I don't think anything beds on my property. It's <laughs> amazing. Right, so it's I'm amazing that I there? kill deer off of it. It's amazing that me and homie killed deer off this piece. It's just, it is, you know. And then people are like, commenters, oh, greatest piece ever. I'm like, it's good, <laughs> but yeah. You ain't killing yeah. every every day. I tell you that, but right. Yeah, that's right. something. That's something that me and homie wanted to try. We're gonna put some scrapes in, try some different products to draw deer you, you know the the tree that we ran the cam on last year
1: homie yeah at, uh, that'd be a
2: spot we could put a rope a rope scrape right there that'd probably be 25 30 yard shot from that tree and give a reason for the buck to stop you know that's uh, basically
3: all it is man
2: yeah you know give a reason to to stop and you know maybe turn to get a broadside shot mm-hmm. so that might be something that we think about, and then we might get more pictures off that camera too, with the scrape being there. hmm uh-huh. So, yeah, that's definitely a good topic. You
1: got anything else
2: for me? You want to cover?
1: No, I think in a weird way we started on one thing and we kind of got through all the notes there.
2: That's perfect, man. <laughs> it flowed good. It was, you
1: know, I apologize
3: got... for rambling, man. I do that from time to time. I get all excited.
2: Oh yeah, we, we we love it, man. Like I said, when you start rambling, that's when the good stuff comes out because you're flowing off yourself, you're flowing off us. You know, we're thinking the questions we want to ask, and we're I I personally learned a ton on this episode. I appreciate you coming on. Yeah, I think we could talk a lot and and uh, and learn a lot from you. You know, that's that's me and Homie are in the stage where we've shot some nice deer, but we're still in that just like absorbing content like insane we can't get enough you know so when we can get a guy like you on the phone for an hour and really get to dive in on how you're successful it's a blessing for us because it makes us better and it gives us content for the listeners to hopefully make them you know try a rope scrape or try you know you know if a buck was here this day to hunt and if they're successful because you came on here and they listened to us that that's gonna jack me and homie up more than anything know, you know so, hell yeah,
3: yeah it is well, I appreciate it, man. And and here's one other thing before we jump off, I'll touch on is that, you know, I'd mentioned that I've been listening to quite a few different podcasts and different shows. And, you know, like I said, everybody's style is completely different. Mine's completely different from from anybody we mentioned and probably anybody else you'll 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 watch. Um, but what I think is important is that people really pay close attention to who it is they're listening to and what they're maybe where they're hunting and and. You know, know that the deer you're hunting in Pennsylvania are not like the deer that you're watching guys hunt in Iowa on, on a TV show, um, you know, or or everything is a situational thing, man. And, and you know, out of this podcast, I, I hope that somebody got at least one thing, but, you know, all of the things that we covered it's not going to work for everybody you know what i mean so hopefully they got one thing out of this pick one thing from another one or whatever and and you know mold it into who you who you want to be and how you want to hunt that that that's what my probably best advice that i can give anybody is is don't think that everything that has i'm talking off a of past what has worked for me and what i know you know it, it does work for me um but you know, it, like I said, nothing works hundred percent of the time. You only need to torque that one time. You know, we spend countless, countless hours sitting on the stand and we only need one minute for it to,
2: you know, to actually work. So that's, that's all I got. That's a perfect way to end it. We say that multiple times, you know, uh, hunt your own, hunt your own hunts. like what I like to say, you know, and, uh, have you found a tactic that you want to try on this? try it if it don't work be like you know it's it's not gonna work but if it was successful that one day you know and it it made your season because you tried it right and you weren't like i'm not gonna try that because it won't work but you never know until you try it it might be the key to you know you might not have shot a buck last couple years boom you try this tactic you kill so Mm -hmm. i like to keep an open mind but it's all situational like you said and uh hunt your own hunt and i think that's a great way to end it right on man man homie what do you think about this
1: one um a lot of knowledge um you know dan's just another one of them humble guys who um loves to just hunt whitetails and has a deep passion for it and you know i know he kept saying that and he was rambling on and you know that's the shit that we love and um you can just tell how much he he loves the sport
2: yeah he loves every step of it you know the figuring the bucks out to to being successful in the field uh huge thank you to dan for coming on like i said check him out on timeman and uh check out the hang on helper we got a couple of them that we run really like that product um this was a banger man this was a whitetail banger of an episode and uh we got we hope to bring a lot of those down the chute we can't release anything yet but we got something special coming up for you guys um be on the edge of your seat for that and uh Get out there Maybe try one of the tactics In this episode Might make you successful
1: Yeah try Start playing for it
2: Yeah Try to leave a legacy Why Tail legacy's out